So what do wise men do? Well, they do what the wise men of Matthew chapter 2 did. Now, you know that Jesus was born of Mary in Bethlehem, and you know that that was the culmination of centuries of history, of God's promise looking forward to the coming of his Son. And when the Lord Jesus came, you know, therefore, it was the fulfilment of God's plan of salvation for the world. We've been singing about it. But interestingly enough, the Bible only records two sets of visitors to the child. I don't know if there are others. Uh, we don't need to know. But we are told of two, aren't we? We're told of shepherds on the very night of his birth. Shepherds were considered very lowly people, even unclean as far as worship was concerned. They, of course, were on the hillsides of Bethlehem. The others were these wise men. They came from afar. They were Gentiles. It's interesting, isn't it, that those are the two groups that are recorded as coming. And, of course, it speaks to us immediately that Jesus came for all kinds of people, whether Jew or Gentile, whether outwardly clean or unclean. Now, these wise men that we read of in Matthew chapter 2, they're well known to everybody. We have the carol, which we haven't sung, and you'll realise why. We three kings of Orient are, and you've all received Christmas cards, haven't you, with three camels on the, the hills uh, travelling towards Jerusalem in the dark with the star uh, ahead. It's a great story. But it's much more than a story. Let's never approach the word of God as if it's just a story. Something we can just like and feel warm about but has no relevance to us. If it's true, which it is, what, my friends, does it have to say to us this morning, if anything? Well, these men are called wise men in our translation, or magi. And certainly by what they did, as recorded here, we may say they were wise. Now, tradition actually names them. Maybe you know that uh, they began to be called Melchior, Caspar and Balthazar. But actually, we don't know how many there were. There's nothing in the text, is there, that says they were three. It's assumed they were three because one offered gold, <laughs> one offered myrrh, and the third one offered frankincense. That may be true. The carol says, we three kings. Who said they're kings? They're wise men. And they're probably traditionally called kings because 
of Old Testament prophecy like in Isaiah, saw the kings of the Gentiles coming to Jerusalem to offer gifts in the temple. These wise men didn't even come on the evening of the birth of Jesus. We're not to assume the shepherds came in, they went out and then the kings sort of came in as the second guests. It's actually now, if you look at verse 11, they're not in the inn any longer, they're in the house. And going into the house, they saw the child. And you, of course, noticed that wicked Herod slaughtered all children in the vicinity of the age of two and down. So this is some weeks, months later. It doesn't matter. Those are not the important parts of the story. What we do know is that these men are from the east. We're told that in verse 1. Babylon, uh, Persia. Daniel had dealt with people like this. They're called variously translated magicians, enchanters. Uh, you see that in, for example, Daniel chapter 2. They were unable to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. We just assume, although we don't really know, that they were astrologers, stargazers, people who looked for messages in, in the stars. Some of them were genuine people looking for truth. Many of them were just charlatans, of course, as there are today. This is the point. These men were not ordinary people like the shepherds. They were rich, weren't they? Look at the gifts they had to bring. They were powerful people, almost definitely those in a ruler's court, and therefore highly respected people. They are the ones who have come, and they are called wise men. Let's look then at a couple of things about these people. What made them wise, as is recorded here? Well, will you notice that they are wise even though they had very little knowledge? Wisdom doesn't depend on the amount of knowledge you have, you know. You can have all the knowledge and be a fool. Wisdom depends on the use you make of even the little knowledge that you have. How was it they had this expectation of a king to be born to the Jews? Was it through Daniel? Is this the legacy of Daniel in the courts of the king? You know that Daniel had much to say about the Messiah and the coming kingdom of God. We do know the Jews were dispersed throughout all the nations as a result of exile. And they had from their Old Testament this expectation of the Messiah. But our text simply says in verse 2, 
we saw his star when it rose. That's all they had to go on. There they were, whichever place they came from, and the star appeared. Uh, was it a star they knew that had moved position? Was it a special star that God created for the time? But seeing the star, they acted upon what they saw. Now, may I say to you again, it doesn't say that the star moved all the way on their journey until they came to Jerusalem. I suppose it could have been so, but it doesn't say that. They saw the star, they said, this means a king has been born of the Jews. We are going to find him among the Jews. Well, where would you go? Well, you go to the capital, don't you? You go to Jerusalem. Where do you go? You go to the king, the rulers. Surely they're going to know. How far did they travel? At least a thousand miles. That's from here to Spain. And there was no uh, airplane, was there? No, no lovely roads. Uh, they probably did go by camel. But camels are not always the fastest animals. But they did this long journey just on the basis of the start. That's what I want to emphasize to you. And they invested heavily in the journey. They were absolutely sure that this had happened so far away. They came prepared for when they arrived there. So they come to Herod. They want to know, tell us, Herod, where is the king of the Jews or the, the, the Christ uh, to be born? Now, it's rather amazing because Herod was the king, wasn't he? And yet they're asking him, uh, where is he? Where is, is, is uh, the one to be born? These wise men, they seem to know that although he's born king of the Jews, he's far more than a king for the Jews. He's a king for them. He would be their king. Maybe I can just read to you a couple of Old Testament uh, prophecies. One is in Psalm 72. A great psalm of Solomon looking forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10 and 11. May the kings of Tarshish, as far as you can go, the ends of the earth and of the coastlands, render him the Christ tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. You can see where the idea comes that they were three kings, can't you? Or you have Isaiah chapter 60. Or 
All nations, verse 3, all nations shall come to your light, says the Lord Jesus Christ who is the light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. So Herod asked the religious leaders and the response he gets is from Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, the verse we read at the beginning. This king is to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Well, why hadn't the chief priest gone there? Why hadn't Herod gone there? These wise men got no encouragement from them. Just imagine, they've uh, come all this way. They ask those they expect to know and they do know generally where the expected Messiah is to be born. But those people have no desire to accompany the wise men to find Jesus. So here we have wise men, rather like Abraham, they've travelled by faith, dependent on just a little knowledge. Abraham didn't know where he was going. These wise men didn't really know the exact place they were going to, but they trusted that which they had been told through the star by God. Wise men act fully on the knowledge, even the little knowledge that they have. And secondly, wise men bring gifts fit for this king. We're told they brought their treasures Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't think we're to find anything uh, uh, particularly significant in gold and give it its own special meaning. These are the gifts that were expensive. And so when you came to a glorious person, you gave these these are the things that the Queen of Sheba brought uh, without number to Solomon. We read of spices and gold and precious stones. Because when you're coming to a great person, you spare nothing because you honour them. They arrived in Bethlehem. The star again was there, verse 10. And when they saw it, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Tell me, after this great journey, after camels, we'll assume, laden with expensive gifts, what did they find? Well, they went into a home. They didn't go into a temple, didn't go into a palace. They went into a house. And there they found a, a baby, a toddler. And I can assure you there was no halo of light around his head. He looked exactly like any other baby of his age because he, he was truly man. He truly became 
incarnate as a human being. That's what they saw with his mother, at least. And then what did they do? They worshipped him. They got down on their knees. But it says, verse 11, they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. That's why they came. In verse 2, it says, we have come to worship him. And that is what they did. Now, we don't know it, all that they understood. It's probable they didn't understand that much. But in the context of this gospel, Matthew records it, that what they are doing is giving divine worship because this baby is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, my friends, this morning, these wise men have a lot to teach you. For some of you, they will rise up in the day of judgment. And they will ask, why aren't you wise? Why haven't you acted wisely? You can imagine them saying this to you. We only had a star in our home country to tell us about the birth of this king. But you've got the whole Bible. You've got all the prophecies and you've got their fulfillment as recorded in the New Testament. <clears throat> they will tell you, we didn't come from a place where God was known. We came from the East, a pagan place. There were no churches where we came from. We were not brought up in a Christian family. But you were. They'll tell you, we had a long and tiring journey. We didn't really know where we were going and what we were going to find at the end of it. You didn't have to go anywhere. The word of God came to you. They'll go on and tell you, we had no one to encourage us at all. We came to King Herod, he wasn't interested. We came to the chief priest who knew the prophecy. But they didn't come and accompany us to see the baby. And you have 2,000 years of history of multitudes of men and women who have followed and worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. Then to cap it all, this is what they would tell you. We only saw a baby and we worshipped him. Now that baby has grown. He's in glory. He's seated at the right hand of God. And surely you have every reason to worship him. If we did, how much more you What then will make you wise as we read this passage? 
Well, you don't have to go anywhere. You're here under the word of God this morning. You have all, all the knowledge that you need in the Bible. You don't need anything more than this. You don't have to bring expensive gifts from your bank account. This is what you have to do. You have to bring yourself. Just as you are. And you have to prostrate yourself. You have to fall down before the glorious Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and worship him. Remember, he's no longer a baby. He's the Lord of glory. And if it's amazing that these wise men did what they did, and it is amazing, I hope I've been able to explain that to you. It's incredible that these men would travel so far with such little knowledge and bring such gifts to a baby. I say to you, <clears throat> it's far more amazing that you, if this is true of you, that you'll not bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ, who's lived those years on earth, who's been crucified, and who's risen from the dead on the third day as he promised and ascended into heaven. So I say to you, these men will rise up and judge you if you refuse to follow their example of wisdom. Just as Jesus said, the men of Nineveh who heard just those few words from Jonah, in 40 days Nineveh will be overthrown and they repented, they will rise up against those who've heard far, far more from God. Why is it that these wise men worshipped, but Herod didn't? The chief priests of the Jewish religion didn't. Why is it that there are those in Liverpool who hear the word of God from a background of ignorance and believe it almost immediately. Why is it some of you, you hear all your life, but you never come in worship to the Lord Jesus Christ? I want to bring you three things. First of all, there is the inward work of the Holy Spirit. We're not told this in the text, but it must be that the Holy Spirit was working in them. By nature, no one seeks for God, but these men desire to worship the King of the Jews, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit had brought them to that position where they were no longer satisfied with their knowledge, their stargazing, their riches. They knew they needed this king to rule over them. And the greatest danger that any of us have here is simply to be contented with what we have, where we are. Oh, that the Spirit of God will awaken you so that like these wise men, you will see your need of this 
saviour. So that's the first thing. There must be an inward work of the Holy Spirit. And all of us who are worshippers of the Lord, is that not what God has graciously done in our lives? What makes you different from others? Why you and not your brother or your parents? It's because the Spirit of God has worked in you. To his name be the praise and the glory. But then there's a second thing. There's God's special providence. If you look back at your life, you'll find something like that. A bigger thing or a smaller thing. These, these men were knowledgeable about the stars of the heavens. So that's what God used. As I say, we don't exactly know what the star was. We don't even know why they linked the star with the birth of the king. All sorts of suggestions have been made that it was a comet or a supernova or planets coming close to one another. But it does actually seem that this star is special because it appears again uh, when they get to, to Bethlehem uh, there in verse 9 and 10. There's no problem, is there, that God puts a special light in heaven? for these men, if he can send the angel Gabriel uh, once and twice and three times, can he not put a light in the heavens to speak to these wise men, to tell them where they need to go? This is the God who can make the, the twelve speak in tongues, in the languages of people present that they'd never learned. And he used that to bring the crowd and 3,000 were converted on that day. He's the one who, when Paul and Silas were in prison, he's able to send an earthquake, isn't he? Just at the right place at the right time to give enough shaking so that the doors uh, open and they can uh, uh, all be free. He's the God who has a snake prepared in the, uh, the brushwood, so that when the fire is lit and uh, uh, Paul's hand is there, he gets bitten. But he doesn't die. And God uses that, you see, to bring the, the gospel and its power to the Maltese. This is what God does. In his providence, he can bring trials to you, he can bring disappointments to you. He can even use your failures he brings special blessings, but it's all to get you to seek him. I don't know what it was with you. Each one of us can say, but there was a time in our life when God intervened and for one reason or another, we began to see that our lives don't honour God, they're sinful lives. We must have him. That's the explanation why the religious leaders didn't seek. And why Herod himself didn't seek. They didn't have an angel visitation, nor did they have a star. But there's a third thing which is absolutely essential. This we, we finish this morning. There must be the word of God. There must be the word of God. These are preparatory 
The star only informed these wise men about the birth of the king of the Jews. When they got to Jerusalem, the exact location of the birth, so they could go and worship, was revealed through the scripture there in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. You might know that Bethlehem was and really is in itself a very insignificant town. It wasn't Jerusalem where the temple was. It was, of course, the hometown of David and that's why it was chosen, why the ruler came from David's line. This is where the ruler who will shepherd my people Israel will be born. The word of God will give you all the information you need in order that you can worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you then, You've come this far. Is it not God's providence that you're here this morning? Because the vast majority of people have no desire to seek for him whatsoever. It's not enough just to, to hear. Having heard, seek to understand and seek to live by the word of God that you have heard. It's all here in the scriptures. More than that, don't be content to hear and even to understand, but seek him out. And when you find the Lord Jesus Christ, bow down and worship him and put yourself at his service. And of course, we don't know the subsequent history of these wise men. They went back to their land. But we would assume, like Naaman, people like that, they continued to worship with what they knew. You search the word and do what the word of God tells you. Because when you bow before the Lord Jesus, it's not a one-time act that you say, well, I've done that now. I can go on my way. It means that you give yourself to him fully, unreservedly. You say, Lord, you're my king. Those two, of course, mean the same thing. I want to serve you and to glorify you with the whole of my life. So just think then, as I leave this with you, consider what God has done in Jesus Christ. God gave his son. He didn't spare him. God didn't say, I'll go so far in the gift, but no further. That's asking too much of me. He gave his son even to the death of the cross, even though the Son had made the world. And there on the cross, he was cursed with the curse that we sinners deserve to suffer ourselves.
That's what God has done. And you come then to worship him. And so I want to urge you with another Christmas over now and with the new year approaching, put the past behind you. If it needs forgiving, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one through whom there's forgiveness, as we sang at the very beginning. Full and free. Devote yourself now fully to this Lord Jesus who came in his grace as a baby, but now is in glory. Don't you hold anything back. And you, from this day forward, do everything that he tells you to do in the scriptures, both joyfully and thankfully. May the Lord bless you through his word this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love and grace towards us. We thank you for the example of these wise men who knew so little and yet were prepared to give all to the baby. Please help us, Lord, not to be rebellious and not to be holding back, but rather to give ourselves fully to you for your service and your glory. Please use your word in our lives, we pray. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen.